Hello. Obviously, Islamic terror attacks are becoming a far more commonplace part of, well, you know, part and parcel of everyday life. I remember there was a time when each one was uh, interesting in and of itself because it was kind of new. But at this stage, everything has been done and there isn't that much variety. There's nothing surprising about them anymore. And so... And I remember actually saying this, I, I think it was with the Brussels attack, which is a year and a half ago now. And I said then, there, there's there's not much to say now. And maybe I just won't uh, cover these attacks anymore, won't, won't do videos about them. But in fact, there is an interesting aspect of each attack. And in a way, it gets more interesting with each attack. And that aspect is the public reaction to it. Because each time, uh, the delusion needs to get more severe and the public need to find new ways to delude themselves in the face of the mounting evidence that their previous delusions were delusions. So <laughs> it just what tends to happen is they, they just move on to fresh fields of delusion and uh, new ways to deny the truth. So I think, and, and well, okay, this really came to the fore with the London Bridge attack a few months ago. I think that was uh, June. I think it was June. And I did intend to make a video then about the public reaction, which was quite staggering. But for whatever reason, I didn't get around to doing it. And then this thing, this intensity of public delusion, came up again much more recently with the Parsons Green attack. And so I thought, henceforth... I may or may not cover the terror attacks themselves, but I think I will cover the public reactions reactions to them in order to chart what's going on. And so here's the first video in that ongoing series. And what I'm going to do here is talk about the pre-London Bridge delusions. And <laughs> these did become very uh, well-documented, well-identified, <laughs> It was, we came to predict them each time, and we were rarely disappointed. But I think, for the sake of this series, it might be worth documenting them here as well. So, I did find this infographic which describes the an emergency plan, 10 steps in case of a terror attack in a European city. And it starts with uh, tearful cartoons, the Facebook filter, uh, which of course was automated eventually because so many people were doing it. So they just made it uh, a button click away from showing your virtue. And then three, crying on television. Four, lighting up buildings, uh, which, you know, has become so tired at this stage. And, you know, it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> what difference does it make? Uh, likewise, the candlelight vigils, candlelit vigil. What difference do they make? And, of course, there was that one. I think it was in France. I can't remember what it was, but people were saying we're not frightened. Whatever, whichever attack it was, people were saying we're not frightened. And then there was footage of this candlelit vigil, and there was a a loud bang, and people thought there was another terror attack. And then suddenly, they're all trampling all over the the candles and the the flowers on the ground, to get running to get away from the place, fleeing. And suddenly you you realise, well, you are terrified after all. All it takes is a loud bang, and you're your solidarity with Muslims and all the rest of it, is it just evaporates. It goes, it vanishes. 
you're terrified. That's the truth. And then step six, of course, is that we get more refugees and more Muslims into the West. And then seven, uh, you admonish anyone who objects to this. And then eight, you wait for the next attack and then you, re you repeat the same stuff. And of course, in the end, you do nothing. So that's the, the 10 step plan. Now, that was one thing. Um, also, here are some things that I've gathered myself. This is just off. Now, again, I would rather have documented this at the time, made the notes, but I, I didn't because it, I didn't know I was going to do this series. So from memory, here are the things that I recalled seeing, the, the manifestations of public delusion. And there are many of them. And this is just, as I say, from, from memory. God knows how many there actually are. The first thing is the hashtags. We've mentioned the Facebook avatars already. And the hashtags are sort of different from the, the Facebook avatars because the Facebook avatars are something that everyone does, like normies. But what, what we on in fringe politics refer to as normies, they go in for the Facebook avatars, perhaps because it's so easy, perhaps because all of their friends will see them doing it. So it's a very uninvolved way of involving yourself with the tragedy. By contrast, hashtags require a bit more thought, and so, and pro, you've got to be more proactive. So they tend to be used by people who are more politicised, uh, engaged with you know narratives and so on, SJWs, that kind of thing. So that's Twitter hashtags, which can become uh, very busy very quickly with each attack. And again, each one is unique. Each attack tends to bring new hash a new hashtag. The one interesting thing with this is that the Charlie Hebdo attack back in 2015, everyone came up with the Je suis Charlie thing. And, and now and again, that is revitalized with reference to the new, the newest attack. And they'll say Je suis Barcelona or whatever it is. Um, now, as I said at the time in a video that I'm still very proud of, the the phrase je suis Charlie is ultimately meaningless. It's absolutely hollow. And so, I mean, that, that was back then. Even then, even the original <laughs> was meaningless and stupid and vapid. But now, of course, it has been sort of entered into the cultural lexicon as something that is meaningful. And so that that is how it is able to be... Uh, what would you say, dredged up, recycled uh, with new terror attacks. But I just want to note the irony of this. Uh, copies are usually less meaningful than the original. And in this case, the original itself was meaningless. And if you're wondering why, I will link you to the, the video I made about it at the time. So then you get flowers heaped on the site of the attack. So there's another uh, delusion because... And this is all part of, you see, this is one of the things that makes me sad. Because what you're looking at there is white kindness and compassion. And just hoping for a better world. Can't we all just get along? Maybe if we are warm and loving, then the horrible stuff will go away. And uh, that's a good example of it. But of course, ultimately you are, uh, well... What good does it do? I suppose it makes us feel better in the short term. Uh, some of us, anyway. Uh, but that's about it. And, of course, that is a false sense of security, anyway. 
And as for getting through to the terrorists, I don't think that flowers do that. Uh, call me crazy, but, you know. And then another delusion. Somebody will come up with something like, more people die in traffic accidents each year than in terror attacks. Or they'll say, uh, I know, more people fall out of a moving, uh, a flying plane uh, than die in terror. Something like that. As if that makes it fine for us and sane for us to continually bring more Islamists or potential jihadis into our countries. It doesn't. And then, of course, there is the ever-present thing about the anti-Muslim backlash. And this is a delusion partly because it never actually transpires. I mean, very rarely. And certainly never to the, the appropriate scale, given the, the outrage that's been perpetrated by Muslims or some Muslims. Uh, you never get the, the backlash that one might expect. Uh, but the other reason it's a delusion is that it says, in not so many words, that the real threat is us. It's not the jihadists. Uh, well, that, that is simply a delusion. Then the next one, and well, it's a variant to that, they'll say the real threat is the far right, or they'll say, before you condemn Muslims, remember that there are white hate mongers as well. Well, so what? Uh, I mean, you can have, let's say there are hate, let's say white hate mongers, fair enough. Let's go along with that just for the sake of argument. So you've got white hate mongers in your society. Why does that make it a good idea to bring in brown hate mongers into your society? Especially ones who are ideological, I mean, religiously motivated. They're going to be more difficult to get through to and reason with than atheistic white hate mongers. So, because there's, there's both the racial separation with them and the religious one and the cultural one. So, what the hell? It's just silly. And then uh, the next one, if we export weapons or create wars in their countries, we shouldn't be surprised that they carry out these attacks against us. Now, that's delusional for at least two reasons that I can think of. First, uh, I don't believe that it's uh, wholly motivated by revenge in that sense. It is, it's a holy war against us, which transcends the, the recent interference of the West in the Islamic world. Um. And the other reason that it's delusional, well, not exactly delusional, but, well, here's, here's the thing. If you are not surprised, for whatever reason, if you're not surprised that Muslims sometimes go ape and carry out these attacks against us for some predictable reason, then isn't the same course of action, if you can't stop that reason from being, uh, from, from holding, then the same course of action is to stop bringing more Muslims into your society, because you've just predicted You've just stated that it is predictable that they will sometimes go ape and carry out terror attacks. <sighs> I mean, I guess you could say, well, no, it's better for them to be here and we just need to stop interfering. And, but, well, why is it better for them to be here? Is it better for us that they're here? Uh, no one has ever been able to explain to me how it is. So, okay, let's move on. Yeah, the next delusion is, <laughs> they'll find, this is the mainstream media, we'll find a good Muslim who did something virtuous during or after the attack, as if that negates or outweighs 
what a large number of, well, let's say a small number of Muslims did carrying out the attack, and a much larger number of Muslims did by shielding those jihadis within their community. And then an even larger number of Muslims who created that culture, which incubated these jihadis, these jihadists. So the one good Muslim, I'm afraid that that isn't enough to outweigh the, the terrorism and the culture that creates that terrorism and the community that sustains that culture. And I'm not denying that there are good Muslims. I'm just saying it is delusional to place your faith in them in that way. And then a similar thing, they'll highlight the mainstream media will highlight a Muslim group that has condemned the attack. Well, again, <clears throat> if you were an imperialistic uh, element in a foreign society, and some of your number occasionally <clears throat> did something like a terror attack, the prudent, the prudent and expedient thing for you to do would be to condemn the attack so that you could continue your imperialistic project uh, below the radar, as it were. But let's leave aside that possibility, that nefarious aim that Muslims in general uh, or any particular Muslim group might have, and look instead at the simple fact that one Muslim group condemning the attack doesn't mean jack shit if the attacks continue as they do, over and over again. And then the next one, our people will blame the police. They'll say, why weren't there enough police to stop this happening? And we just need more police. Well, you know what? We didn't need more police before we had so many Muslims. And I, I, by the way, I don't like this uh, thing about constantly going on about Muslims. Uh, I feel very much that it's, it's boring and uh, tired and not really the main issue. I don't like vi vilifying them. Uh, believe it or not, I really don't. Uh, I think we've just got to, we've got to move beyond it. However, the people that we are talking about, the de the deluded ones, are still operating in that paradigm where it's us and the Muslims, and we've got to have a relationship with them. Uh, I think that's a a sphere within a much larger sphere, and we should be starting to think about that much larger sphere at this stage. However. Uh, we still have to witness and suffer the delusions of people who are stuck in that, uh, what I would call, 2000s uh, sphere. Uh, well, to be honest, I was in that sphere as well until quite recently. So I shouldn't, I'm not trying to be arrogant here. I'm just saying um, a lot of people are, and this is, this is a thing that I should maybe leave till the end, but I'll say it here since it's occurred to me now. Uh, these delusions that I'm talking about here, and that I'll talk about in future videos, are covering up a truth of a uh, fundamental difference between us and Muslims. And a large number of whites, they nurse, the, the, yeah, they nurse these delusions because it comforts them. It's, it's, it allows them to stay asleep. But eventually they're going to wake up, and eventually they're going to resist, throw away those delusions. And uh, it's, it's going to be horrible because they haven't thought ahead at, uh, at what is going on more broadly in society. And, well, that's another aspect. That's another thing altogether, really. I don't think I'll go into any more here in this video. Let's just go through the delusions. and Because that is, I mean, this is the first step towards a waking up normies. Um, you first have to get them to see that they are deluding themselves about this compar perhaps comparatively minor problem.
before you can get them to understand the reality of that minor problem and then get them to see the bigger picture. All right. So, uh, yeah, why weren't there enough police to stop this? We just need more police. Yeah, fine. And then the ultimate delusion, perhaps, uh, diversity is our strength, which they say, of course, with no evidence at all. And if you ask them for evidence, they'll give you some runaround about... Well, I've gone through it before. It tends to be we get to learn about other cultures or uh, the fabulous, the incredible range of restaurants. <laughs> but there, there's really not much else. And then, as an extension of that, they'll say, it is more important now, after this recent terror attack, it's more important now than ever that we don't lose faith in diversity and multiculturalism. And I, I find that one a very interesting example of delusion because it's like, I don't know if it's true or not, that when fossils, when dinosaur fossils were first discovered, apparently there were Christians who said that these fossils were a test of were a test from God of their faith in God. So these the God had put these fossils here to test people's faith and say, are you still going to believe in me or are you going to start thinking that uh, the earth is millions of years old? And I think it's very much the same with these, <laughs> with all of these delusions, but especially this one, diversity is our strength. Because they'll say, this terror attack is a test of our faith in diversity. And if we give into it, then we've failed. We've failed the test. I hardly need to elaborate on this any further. And then another one. They'll say, these people, the jihadists, want to divide us. Well, I would say the division is already there. They're, they're just, the jihadists are just sort of acting it out in a particularly vicious way. But the, the division is innate. Uh, if not ethnic and genetic, then certainly cultural and religious. I mean, di diversity is uh, linguistically linked to the word division, and that should tell us something. Then the next illusion. These people, the jihadists, want to cause paranoia. Well, yeah. And, well, it's not even that they want to... See, that's the thing. It's not that they want to cause... It's not like the jihadists are trying to be horrible to us and get us to be paranoid for the sake of it. A more accurate summation would be, we should be paranoid, and these jihadists have given us the evidence as to why we should be paranoid. But instead, the deluded liberal, the deluded white, will say, will think of it in this way, that the jihadist is kind of setting up this problem um, just to get us to be paranoid, as if the jihadist is going to be delighted to see us being paranoid. No, the jihadist is going to be delighted to see us dead or conquered. He doesn't care about whether we're paranoid or not. He's not just trying to be nasty to us uh, to get some sick thrill. But again, I suppose this is to do with the childishness of the, <laughs> the progressive mindset. They, they just want us to be paranoid because it's horrible to be paranoid. It's a lot more horrible to be blown to bits, though, isn't it? Or to lose your country. And then they'll say, if we become paranoid, they have won. Uh, which is clearly... Uh, no, if you become paranoid, that brings you <laughs> a step closer to dealing with the problem, which is a real one. Um, I mean, honestly, it's like vic it's the, the implicit thing there is that victory for us would be not being paranoid. You know, if the jihadists want us to be paranoid, then victory for us means not being paranoid. At what cost? 
I mean, even if it's crazy not to be paranoid. Come on. <laughs> and then the next one, these people have assaulted our democracy. I, or or these people are against democracy. Well, first of all, I think they don't care about that. But also, well, yes, they they in a sense they have successfully assaulted democracy because they have shown that direct action has an effect on people. So, I mean, it's a kind of like an empty phrase, and it's an empty statement. It doesn't really matter. But I also think that if that this damaging of democracy or this assaulting of democracy is very much collateral, I don't think that's what jihadists are directly targeting. It's just it just happens that as a byproduct or a secondary effect of what they've done that is that this idea that democracy has been somehow contravened or undermined. But I'm not even sure that it has. But I mean, is it really true? I, I, I don't know. It's it's just something that I think people sort of... I, I don't think it's very relevant. I don't think it's very true. And I don't think, even if it is true, that it, it matters very much. But I think that people sort of take refuge in it and think, again, well, I can continue to believe in democracy and that will somehow make me a good person and it will give me the illusion of having a, a way to combat these people. And I don't think either of those uh, statements is true. Then the next one... These people are not real Muslims and don't represent real Islam. And, uh, and a bit of evidence that will often be used in support of that statement is that they'll, they'll find evidence that one of the jihadists ate pork or took drugs or went to strip clubs or something in some way took part in degenerate Western culture. Uh, but that does not mean that he's not a real Muslim or he's not a very good because. You can do that stuff and then six months later be a, a hardened, uh, devout Muslim and, and jihadist. So to say that because he used to live this degenerate lifestyle, that means he's not a very good Muslim and therefore he's not representative of Muslims and therefore you can't say that this attack was Muslim in origin or in tone. <sighs> Simply nonsense. Because he, the, the jihadists can return from a degenerate Western lifestyle to devout Islam, and also he probably comes from devout Islam, or in a, so yeah, it's on both sides of the, the degenerate. The degeneracy is sandwiched by devout Islam, but the other possibility is that he comes from a more liberal Westernized form of Islam, in which case, well, that should tell us something. The, the this is the bungee rope effect. Okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, this is another delusion is that they'll refer to the so-called Islamic State as if that... I mean, they do the same thing with the alt-right. They'll say the so-called alt-right as if by denying it the name that it has given itself, you do something to it. Uh, again, it's just delusional. The thing continues being itself, conceiving of itself, operating in the ways it has established. Uh, so if you refuse to call it a particular name, big deal. It's really not going to change anything. <clears throat> and then, oh, and this is probably the worst delusion, um, is 
the terrorist, the jihadist, was born here in the West or in Britain or whatever. Therefore, it's not a problem with immigration. No, on the contrary, it just proves how much of a problem immigration is because someone can be born here of immigrant parents or even of parents who were of immigrant parents. So whatever, second, third generation, and still their ancestral culture calls to them with that amount of force. So absolutely, it, it, they're, they're so wrong in saying that it's got nothing to do with immigration. It really underscores just how much immigration is, a, is an issue, is a part of identity. So that's all I've got to say for the all of the dilute. And again, these were just the ones I could remember off the top of my head when I was planning this video. West, the Westminster attack happened and there were some delusions there. The thing about we are not afraid. And then there was the Manchester Arena one where people sang Don't Look Back in Anger. Uh, although I, I wasn't informed that that was very much a staged event. It was sort of paid lefties. And uh, working class Mancunians in general had a very different attitude towards it. I don't know. But then there was London Bridge. And uh, I'll be making a separate video about that and Barcelona and Parsons Green. So this is just the, in the sort of introductory episode in this series. I, can, I envisage it being an ongoing one because God knows the, <laughs> the attacks are going to be ongoing. Okay, hopefully this has been useful to people. Thank you for watching.